Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, Buccaneer fans, welcome to a Week 18 edition of the No Quarter Given podcast. I can't believe we're already at Week 18. I can remember Week 18? We were talking. Jeez, I remember we were previewing the Cowboys game on the Thursday night, heading into week one. But we are here, Mr. Peter Blake. Week 18, Buccaneers escape the Meadowlands in MetLife Stadium, 28-24. Only if that was the only drama in the game. If that was the headliner, that'd be one thing. But we we have got some AB versus BA mania going on throughout the – Tampa Bay area and the organization. Welcome to the podcast, Peter Blake. Yeah. Meltdown at MetLife meltdown at the Meadowlands with something that I've never seen in my life of, of watching football over 30 years. I've never seen a grown man run off and, and I didn't, I didn't have the sound on. Here's the thing. I was watching it with a buddy who had the NFL ticket. I thought they were you know, going back to the pre, uh, pre-show showing uh, Brown running without a shirt. No, this was happening live. He decided to get off the sideline, run off the sideline, take his shoulder pads off, take his shirt off, throw it in the audience, throw his gloves away, and quit on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mid-game as they're losing to the New York Jets. You, you can't make this stuff up. And then, of course, as we're recording it tonight, there's a statement that comes out saying in so many words, the Bucs made me play through injury. So I don't know what to think at this juncture. I've just never seen anything like this before. Yeah, we'll get into into some of the nuts and bolts of this whole A-B situation here in a few minutes. Um, You know, obviously reflecting on the game, you know, the Buccaneers came out pretty lackluster there that first half, down 17 to 10. You know, they, uh, you know, they didn't play terrible. They didn't turn the ball over. You know, they had one interception Brady threw, but, you know, the defense just struggled to get them off the field, down 24-10 third quarter. Then the A-B stuff happens. They get a little closer, and then in the end, you have a huge decision by Robert Sala, kind of similar to the Washington game where the Jets drove the ball down the field, ate up a bunch of the clock, and you had the moment of truth late in the game with about two – what was it 215, 218 left in the fourth quarter? Yeah. Fourth and two from the Buccaneer, I think it was seven or eight yard line. The New York Jets run a quarterback sneak on fourth and two. <laughs> and there's a lot of dispute. Did Zach Wilson run the right play? Did he audible? Did he do something on his own and not run the sound like they were trying to run a jet sweep to Barrios potentially? They don't make it. He he gets about a half a yard on fourth and two. Joe Tryon Shoyinka with the big kind of the the, the finishing play, the, the defensive tackles, Vita Vea, McClendon, Golston do their job. And then our boy Tommy Brady, no timeouts, goes 93 yards, capped off by Cyril Grayson with the great catch down the sideline, 15 seconds to go, and the Bucks go to the winner's circle 28-24. 
Yeah, amazing. And there was a communication breakdown because you read uh, Sala was supposed to have his offensive coordinator, uh, Mike LaFleur, call a uh, end around to uh, Berrios, and it didn't happen that way. So you give the ball back to Tom Brady. It goes 93 yards, and Cyril Grayson, who has been just lights out here these last couple of weeks, but really stepping up in AB's absence. Yeah. And here's a kid who has never played college football before, getting his opportunity and taking the most of it. And on top of it, the ninth time that Tom Brady has done this in the fourth quarter and in overtime versus the New York Jets. And now Jason Powers, he's 28 and nine lifetime versus the Jets. I would say Jets fans and the Jets organization pretty much hate Tom Brady, but you could probably say that Tom Brady owns the New York Jets, much like Aaron Rodgers owns the Chicago Bears. No, nah, no doubt about it. I thought in real time, this is just me. I was in real time at Ducky's watching the game. I thought the Jets should have kicked the field goal at fourth and two. You guarantee yeah. you're up seven points. You've done a pretty good job shutting down the Buccaneers there in the in the second half throughout the game. You know, we were no, we weren't struggling to move the ball, but it was methodical. You know, I thought they should have kicked the field goal. That get that would have guaranteed overtime at worst. Um, they don't. Obviously, they run the sneak, and then Brady does this thing. And give Grayson credit. Tyler Johnson with a couple big catches on that drive. Not a lot of Mike Evans. He played in the game, which surprised me that he played. You know, he, he caught a touchdown, had minimal catches, I think maybe four catches for like 45, 47 yards, something like that. Wasn't a big factor on the last drive. He really showed Brady that he's got trust in Cyril Grayson. Grayson's a track guy from LSU. He's been a guy B.A.'s talked about. He's He's been the most improved guy on the roster the last two years. I, got, they, I mean, he came out and really praised his work ethic and his ability to learn how to run routes and all that kind of stuff. And he... And I think Brady's trusting him. I think Brady trusts him now. There's no doubt about it that he trusts Cyril Grayson. And with the Antonio Brown situation, Grayson could be your new number, is probably going to be your new number three receiver. No, I'll take it. I'll take it at this point because Mike Evans is still banged up, only about 54 yards away from 1,000, which would be eight consecutive seasons, Jason, yep. that he's had 1,000 yards receiving. But you talk about Grayson, six catches, 81 yards. He has that speed threat. We saw it this year versus the Saints. I told you, Rob Gronkowski would be back. Seven catches for 115 yards. And, you know, to me, the matchup absolutely was there for the tight end because the Jets do a terrible job of defending a tight end. Gronk was a little bit uh, down the last couple of games, and uh, he really was effective. Uh, Break caught caught the fourth down touchdown on about the six-yard line. They went for it fourth and goal from like the five or six. They he break they hit break again. Not that OJ Howard needs to be a major factor, but I was expecting him to get some catches. But again, OJ might be the it just might be one of those years for OJ where he's going to be the blocking guy, where Brayton and Gronk are going to get the catches. Um, and again, they may be who knows they might be saving OJ Howard for the playoffs. You never know. Oh, they I, might be- I know Jason. I don't think he's hundred percent healthy. I mean, uh, he's got an Achilles injury at that point. Um, he hasn't been able to fully recover. Burst, not a lot of not, burst. Right. He may not uh, mentally may not have recovered from it. Physically, he's may not right. recovered from it. Um, you know, they haven't said anything. They like him when he's blocking. So if Braid and Gronk are doing it, but at the end of the day, you lose Brown. Of course, you don't have Godwin now. So you're going to have to change up your offense. And it doesn't help with the victim 
of an injury and a Ronald yeah. Jones going out with an ankle injury. Hopefully he can play Sunday versus Carolina. And then on top of that, you have Keyshawn Vaughn who went out with ribs. So it's Le'Veon Bell time and Bell did show up, you know, in some moments there with the screen pass, of course, and the I, two point conversion. Yeah. He's been there before he's done it. Let's see what he can do. If these guys are not healthy and you hope that eventually the Bucks, who have been snake bitten by injuries all year long, can get healthy on both sides of the ball. That's what it comes down to. It's yeah, like we are with this team. And, and you and I talked, when we did the pregame show a couple of weeks back, I thought it two or three weeks down the road, i.e. last Sunday, Bell would be a guy that he would be relied on on third down. And you saw some couple catches. He was in the game bunch in two minute and all that stuff at the end of the game. Obviously a little bit due to injury, but he was the third down guy. And I think that's where he can be a factor. He's not going to be a 25 carry a guy. Uh, a, a game guy unless there's nobody else left I, I heard a report today that there's some optimism with Leonard Fournette that he'll might be ready in two weeks for the playoff game so there's some optimism there I don't know the severity of the Jones injury yet they probably won't play Jones Sunday if you're smart you don't do that if you can get if you can get away with Keyshawn Vaughn and maybe Lev Bell and maybe you bring up a practice squad guy as a third and John Barner yeah former guy so yeah. Um, again, this, this should be a game you should be able to get through, even if you don't have to play Ronald Jones. But and the other part of this game was two of our DBs, Murphy Bunning and Jamel Dean, had to fly up Sunday morning, and there were some p- pilot issues on a t- private plane. The pilot had COVID. They had to get diverted to Canada. They didn't get to New York until like 1130, so they didn't get to the, to the stadium until after, basically right before kickoff. So those guys didn't play much until the second half. So lots of things could have gone against the Buccaneers. More, 28 out of 32 teams in that league would have lost that game Sunday, down 14 points with all the adversity, with the Antonio Brown situation happening real time. Give Tom Brady and the Bucs credit. They got it done. They're still in the hunt now for the two seed. Right now they're the number three seed with Arizona I mean, with Dallas losing over the weekend, so you, you, you've moved up one more spot. You got a very winnable game this week, and you got another chance to get the number two seed because the Rams are playing the 49ers, who are in a must-win situation. So the Rams not lose to the 49ers. The Bucks win. The Bucks are the two seed. Yeah, I mean, is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance that's going to be the starter for the 49ers? They have a four-game win streak versus the Rams, so hopefully the Rams can lose. Bucks get two. Uh, they get to that number two seed. You're guaranteed two home games at that yep. point. But uh, Brady boy, oh boy, he is, is he not the ageless wonder? I mean, 34 for 50, 410, three touchdowns. And the final touchdown, the 33 yarder to Grayson is his 40th of the year. Jason powers. He still has another game and he's 44 years old. And I keep on putting this out there. He is the MVP of the league. I don't care about Aaron Rodgers. I get it. But if you don't have Tom Brady and what Brady is doing right now at his age, to me, he is the most valuable player, not only for the Bucs, but for any team. Right now, he is the MVP. Do you agree or not? He's probably not going to win it, I don't think. But you could definitely make the argument, given his age, given the injuries he's had to deal with the last six weeks or so, four or five weeks. Yeah. Um, I mean, the lack of a consistent running game, you could definitely make the argument Tom Brady is the MVP of the National Football League at 44 years old. There's no doubt about it. 
I, to me, it's a slam dunk. I don't understand how you can't give it to him. I mean, I, I get it. Everybody wants to give it to Aaron Rodgers, uh, the number one seed. He gave it to Aaron Rodgers last year, and good. Give it to Aaron Rodgers again, so the Bucs can go up there and on the NFC Championship and, and take he'll have some more. Again. He'll have another chip on the shoulder on old Tom Brady oh, yeah. he, if they get a chance to go to Lambeau and 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 stick it to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers one more time. All right, let's get to. You're listening to the Powers on Sports, uh, not, excuse me, not wrong podcast, sorry. No quarter given <laughs> podcast, powered by buckpower.com. Our buddy Paul Stewart, go to buckpower.com for all of your Buccaneer factoids, video clips, audio, stats, season, everything. Every year, every game, buckpower.com. We have an awesome guest coming up, Peter. You and I had the pleasure of interviewing Buccaneer legend Martine Gramatica. You're going to hear that interview after here in a few minutes at the end of this podcast. When we're done talking, you're going to hear an extensive interview with Martine Gramatica. You and I both thoroughly enjoyed meeting Martine. That was the first time we'd both met him. What a job he did as a player, and he did a great job in the interview. Absolutely. A lot of great insight from uh, a former Tampa Bay Buccaneer who made a lot of big kicks down the stretch. So great interview. Yeah, we talked Super Bowl year. We talked 9-11. We talked. Dungy and uh, Gruden, we talked his career, lots of things. So stay tuned, Buccaneer fans. You're going to love the interview. Uh, again, you can check it out on this podcast. You can see the video interview on my Powers on Sports YouTube channel. You'll, it'll be, it, the video interview will be posted there as well. We recorded this on Wednesday night. That will be up on Wednesday night as well. But Buccaneer fans, it's a great interview. We talk Martine, and, and we'll talk about this in the interview as well, he does the Spanish broadcast of the Buccaneer game. So we have our Spanish audience that listens to, to this podcast and others. You can listen to an all Spanish broadcast of the Buccaneers. We want you to listen to Gene, Dave, and TJ. But if you want to listen to some Spanish, you can listen to Martin on the broadcast as well. I know about six words of Spanish, so maybe I can understand a little bit of it, but most likely not. I'll, I'll yeah. probably stick with Gene, Dave, and uh, TJ. Of course, Uncle TJ Reeves. Right. They're on the sideline witnessing what once again can be called the meltdown at the Meadowlands meltdown at MetLife. I mean, again, going back to it, you saw this. Could you believe it? I was in duckies. And when I saw him with the shirt off, I, the first thing I said to the guy next to me was Arian sent him to the locker room. He must've, you know, said something or done something. The interesting part to me was we didn't see this until later in the game, the mm-hmm. video from the crowd of Mike Evans talking to Antonio before he took his stuff off. Hey, bro, don't do this, Antonio. And he talked to him like three different times he tried. And the fourth time you saw Evans just raise his arms up and walk away like nothing else I can do. And then Antonio rips off the, the shoulder pads, throws it, walks, throws the short – the shirt and the gloves into the crowd does the jumping jacks in the end zone and heads to the locker room. Yeah. And uh, again, you, what you hear the rumors were that he got into Brady space. He got into BA space. Again, those are just rumors at this point. Fans were watching this and they were reporting this on Facebook. So take it for what it's worth, but there had to be some type of conversation between him and Brady because Brown actually unfollowed Brady on IG, which is Instagram out there. So I, and I, I think the, the despicable well, Br- well, thing. Our is- boy, our boy. The one thing I don't like is Tom Brady kind of played dumb in the post game. 
well, I didn't know what was going on until after the game. I was focused on the game. Come on, Tom. We're well, not stupid. We're not stupid, Tom. Even I, and though, I love you, Tom. You're the but, best and you're the greatest, but don't play dumb on this situation. Well, and he said, you know, AB needs some help. We love him and 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 let's be empathetic and, and stuff like that. Um, empathetic, I should say. Uh, I just I look at the whole situation and I just go back to it. I I don't know if he has mental problems. I don't know if he has CTE, but you quit. You quit on your team. You quit on a guy who stuck his neck out on the line for you yeah. to get you signed to this team, signed to two teams. Cause it wasn't just the bucks. It was the Patriots and he screwed that situation up. So, right. You know, again, we talked about it coming in. There was a statement tonight from uh, Brown's lawyer saying in so many words, the bucks knew about an injury uh, he's playing through an injury. And then, of course, I say, well, he didn't look really injured when he was running off the field. But people go, well, you know, you can't do this. You got to cut. And he was on painkillers, blah, blah, blah. It's always something with this guy. That's what really pisses me off. Excuse my language. But it just it's one thing after the other with him. Peter, and- he caught Peter. He caught two or three passes in the first half. Right. He wasn't limping. He wasn't. And I'm not saying he didn't tweak it at some point, potentially. But he wasn't limping at all. No, he wasn't limping at all. And he was just coming off a week where he had 100 yards of receiving and 15 targets. And to me, what's more believable or plausible, Leo word, if you will, uh, that would be Leo Haggerty, the legend himself, is the fact of what Skip Bayless said on, on Undisputed on Fox Sports is that he was upset because Brady was going to Gronk so many times and wasn't featuring him, him in the offense. So he got upset about it and was disinterested. That to me is more believable yes. than him or the Bucks trying to force him to play through an injury because we knew that Antonio Brown had an ankle injury. How many weeks and how many games has he missed besides the COVID fake vaccination right. card? How many weeks has he missed with this injury? Six, so seven, that- eight, six or seven weeks. We knew he was, but, but he looked great last week. There was no right. signs that he had an injury. I mean, that he and- and again, not saying he did he couldn't have tweaked it. Sure. I mean, you could have tweaked something. I get it. But Bruce Arians wouldn't have told him to go back in the game if he was legitimately, if a trainer went up to Arians and said, hey, he tweaked his ankle. He's in bad shape. Arians isn't going to force him to go back in the game. Oh, no, not at all. And here's the thing. Even though he didn't practice Thursday and Friday, that's just more precautionary at yes. that point. I mean, that's how they treat their players. They don't force players to go back in. You know, Gronk had an injury. They tried to play him. They couldn't play him. They held him out. They care about their players. So this whole nonsense of, well, you know, AB is playing through an injury and all this other stuff. It's just a narrative thrown out there. It's just one more type of deal, one more type of thing to say Antonio Brown is 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 involved in. And you look at all the accusations, all the all the random things he's done in his career. And it's almost like he's always the victim. It's never AB. It's always somebody else. It was Mike Tomlin. It was big Ben. It was John Gruden. It was the Raiders. It was New England Belichick. Yes. It was all them. There's never any accountability from Antonio Brown. And that's the problem at the end of the day, my friend, you've got to look yourself in the mirror. And if you can't look yourself in the mirror and, you know, gain some of that, and understand that you are responsible for most of the drama that you talked about in the press meeting last week, then th- th- there is something wrong with you. And, and, and two things I'll say. One, 
he had an easy opportunity between this last week and this coming up week against Carolina. Sure. Seven or five or six, seven more catches, 50 more yards and a touchdown. He'd have made about another million bucks. And Tom Brady would have gone out of his way to get him those catches and those yards in the last game and a half to do that. Like he did last year. He did he would it have last done, year. He would have done it again this year. Just <laughs> like I think if, if Evans plays this week, he'll make sure Evans gets his 50 yards to get to a thousand. Tom Brady is that kind of guy to do that. I don't care what play was called. Tom would audible to get the ball to Antonio Brown. So a million bucks out the door and two, for you to uh, 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 all those issues that really shows. I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. He's either bipolar, has a major issue with CT, or a combination of the of both. Because that's just not that's not well. He's a character kind of behavior. That's not that's that's mental. That's a mental health issue. And I hope to God behind the scenes this week, whether it's Tom Brady whether it's whoever his real friends are in that league, that those people are in, having some kind of intervention with that guy, with his agent, with his family, whatever, to get that guy some help. Because I fear that he'll be dead within two years, two to three years, if he doesn't legitimately get some help. He'll either do something to himself or he will do something to somebody that will cause himself to get shot, murdered, whatever, kind of like a junior Seau situation that none of us really knew about. Right. But we, I mean, Antonio Brown was a ticking time bomb and he went off on Sunday in New York. He really did. And, you know, trying to get an Uber. And then after that, you're, you're releasing a, a, a rap, uh, the pit. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's just, it, it seems like it's kind of like it was all done for a purpose. Like I'm trying to get attention for this uh, rap album or this rap single that I'm putting out there. What can I do? Oh, I quit my job. I'll quit on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who, by the way, have Tom Brady in New York. It makes too much sense. And people trying to paint this narrative that, you know, he's playing through an injury. I get it. He may have been injured and this and that and the other thing, but pretty, he, he looked pretty healthy to me. I get it's different, but running off the field, doing jumping jacks, you know, skipping around uh, like a buffoon. I, I, I don't know what to think, man. I'm just, Dude, I'm, we, I empathize with him because I think he has some mental health issues. So I'm, I have some empathy for that, that I would like him to get some help. But if this is not the first episode, this is not the second episode. And if you've not gotten any help yet and somebody doesn't intervene and there's not that in it, again, I hope Tom Brady behind the scenes this week has is figuring out a way, if you really care about him like you say you do, yeah. and I'm sure there are other guys in the NFL that care about the guy, whether it was in Pittsburgh, maybe even, I mean, Pittsburgh's the place he's been the longest. Sure. You hope that somebody's intervening and really seriously saying, get this guy some mental help. Well, yeah, and he's got to want it. He's got to want to take the help. He's going to want to do it for himself. And at the end of the day, I think you are who you are. I mean, he hasn't gotten the help ever since he went to all these teams and he's supposed to be, you know, the the uh, the, the clear example and a guy that found himself and, uh, you know, different different venue is supposed to have different results. And, I'm not going to sit here and say he didn't help the Bucs, you know, win the Super Bowl uh, last year because he was a big part of it. But also the Bucs took a chance on him. There was not a lot of teams out there that wanted him, and this is the reason why, and this is what you get. And it's disappointing because, look, the Bucs have had their fair share of injuries. Godwin's going to be out for the year. Evans is banged up. 
Uh, Fournette is banged up. So what a great opportunity for Brown to step up. And who steps up? Unknowns like a Tyler Johnson. Unknowns like a Grayson. That's what you like to see. Those are team players. And that's what you need to turn the page and go forward. And hopefully a longer postseason, just like you had last year. Yeah. So let's, 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 again, let's focus on who is here, not necessarily who's not there. Remember the remember, folks, the Bucks have not officially released him yet. I think they're going through some legal, legal things to figure out what's the right way, whether it's conduct detrimental to not have to pay him. Again, who knows what they're I'm sure there there's a grievance going to be filed on some sort about the alleged injury versus, you know, whatever. So the he, and here, here, from a competitive standpoint, if you're the Buccaneers, they're not going to cut him because they don't want somebody to gobble him up. Theoretically, not saying somebody would, but they don't want to have to deal with potentially playing against him in a one-game playoff scenario in the NFC or potentially even in the Super Bowl. So I think the Bucs are going to keep him on the roster. Even if they have to pay him one more week, which would be this coming up week, they're going to pay him if they have to, or they're going to they're going to implore, implore the conduct detrimental clause, which could yep. pretend, potentially allow them to not pay him, put him on an exempt list of some sort, and not and, and deal with that later as far as the money. But they're not going to allow Antonio Brown to be a, a free agent and potentially go somewhere else in the playoffs no. scenario. No, no nor not should at all. they. Nor should they. Oh no, not at all. And that's what a lot of teams out there want. And I don't believe that the and that's the problem with that whole you know, that, that whole circus that happened last Sunday, there's still most likely a team out there like the Dallas Cowboys, even the saints that would say, you know what? He's still got talent. We'll take a chance on him. For one Small week, a one week situation, right? One week situation or two week situation. We feel like he'll get us over and they'll take a chance. And that's the problem. That has been the problem. They, you look the other way on those other things, right? And then those things are still there. So it's like you got to nip them in the bud. And again, there has to be some accountability. And it starts with Brown. And I'm not seeing it. And so, I hope. And, and here's another thing. I'll, and we'll do the last thing. We'll talk about this. I hope the NFL Players Association intervenes here because this is where you 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 say you care about your players. Huh? You say you're all about safety and health. Here's the golden opportunity to show everybody how much you care about your players. If you're D. Marie Smith in the Players Association. Agree. Absolutely agree. All right. Let's get to more pleasant things. Week <laughs> 18, 12 and 4 Buccaneers. Season finale, home for not won't be the home finale, the regular season home finale. The Carolina Panthers come to town. We played them two weeks ago, Peter, 32 to 6 beatdown. I think we saw the end of the Cam Newton era. Sam Darnold's going to be the starter. Matt Rule. I'm in trouble potentially. Is he going to make a third year? I think he will, but you know, you never know. You definitely could see a black Monday situation where Matt rule doesn't make it after, after Sunday's game, your general thoughts, Carolina Panthers, Buccaneers week 18. I mean, it's a winnable game, but you know, uh, what do we always say? Any given Sunday. So Carolina is going to come in there, try to play spoiler. Who's going to be quarterback. It most likely is not going to be Cam Newton. And most likely it's going to be Sam Darnold, but is he the answer? You know, firing Matt Rule after what two years? I, I think he makes a third year, but I think you got to figure out who your quarterback is, and that's been the problem. That was the problem in the Bucks game. You know, trying to go with Cam Newton and Sam Darnold. If you're going with two quarterbacks at one time, this ain't college football, my friend. If you have two quarterbacks, basically you don't have a quarterback, right. so you have to figure that situation out. They've been beset by a lot of injuries. 
on the defensive side of the ball. Like I said, they started out hot and then they came back down to earth. To me, three and this, oh, they yeah. started off three and oh, we all thought, uh oh, yep, yep. And this is a winnable game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got to keep home field advantage and they played well at home this year. Besides, of course, the Saints game, I would expect them to really drub the Carolina Panthers, even with all the injuries at the end of the day. You need this win. Tom Brady's going to be on his game. This offense will be on their game, no matter if they have to spread you out, run two or three tight end uh, you know, sets yep. with running the ball. This team is a chameleon. They can get it done. And when you rule them out, and I get it, they have all these injuries, but they get healthy. You rule them out. That's the last thing you do, especially with Tom Brady at the controls. Don't do no, it. And, and again, interesting thing in this game for the Buccaneers perspective is they're the way the NFL does these week 18 games, they're putting them at the same time as other games with playoff implications. So the Bucs and the Rams are playing at four. Remember, folks, this is a 425 game, not a one o'clock game, because they're putting up with the Rams because the Bucs and Rams are fighting for that number two spot. So the Bucs will be doing some scoreboard watching. If they see that the Rams are rolling the 49ers for some reason, I think you'll see Tom Brady get removed from the game. Because again, if the Rams win, they're going to be the number two seed and the Bucs will be the three seed. Well, I, don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to see the Bucs risk Tom Brady in a game if the Rams are rolling the 49ers. Well, they're going to play at the same time, and that's the reason why the NFL did that in the first place. It's great, and it's a perfect strategy. It is, because if the Bucs played at one and they won, or the Rams played at one, and they won, then the Bucs would know, you know what, we don't even right. need to, to play our starters at that point. So and this is exactly the reason why the NFL added that extra week at this point. You know, you've yep. got a lot of things up in the air in both conferences at, yep. the, at this point. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. And, and I never thought I was going to say that about week 18, but I'm excited about this week. You have games on Saturday. You have games on Sunday. You have games on primetime. You have all kinds of playoff implications and scenarios feeding and all that yeah, stuff. It's, it's all up in the air, my friend. So it's going to be very, very interesting weekend of the national football league. The only thing locked up in the NFC is green Bay with the number one seed seeds two through seven. We have no idea who's going to be in those are spots. You, There's Jason, nothing locked down. Are you surprised by Green Bay and their emergence? Even with Rodgers' toe injury, are you surprised that they got the number one seed? And do you think they're a legitimate number one seed? Or could there be a team that knocks them off oh, in that second round? They're vulnerable. They're vulnerable against the run, in my opinion, defensively. Now, mm -hmm. is it going to help that they're playing at home in Lambeau and it's cold? Yes. But they are vulnerable, in my opinion, on the defensive side. And, and say what you want about Rodgers. He's not had the best playoff career success. He's come up small in some big moments in the playoffs in recent years. And I get it. He has a toe injury. You think the cold would affect him a little bit more because of that. I mean, a little bit achy. I know this because I'm an older guy. I got back problems. It's been getting cold here in the Bay Area, and I've been feeling some back pain. In fact, yeah, when I, mean, I get off this broadcast, I, I'm probably going to put some heat on there or probably – you know, take something because, uh, you know, the cold is, is not necessarily a best friend of somebody that's a little bit older quarterback, if you will. That's the reason why Brady's down here in Tampa Bay. So, and, and I think Green Bay wants no part of Tampa Bay coming to Lambeau a second time. I don't either. With, with what Brady did to them last year. And I know Rodgers didn't play great. And there was all the controversy about kicking the field goal at the end and all that stuff. But 
you don't want Tom Brady coming into your house in a playoff game, even though we're depleted. I get it. Defensively, we've lost some guys, but when you still have number 12, you still got number 12. Yeah, you got number 12, and you just got to get healthy. You got to get both of your defensive, uh, I, I guess they're edge rushers, like linebackers. You got to get Shaq. You got to get JPP back, and you got to get Levante David. He means so much to that rush defense. I think that was probably the most disappointing aspect of that game versus the Jets last week. You give up 100 yards rushing. I get it. You give up a play, and Bruce talked about it. B.A. Uh, said this week, you know, it, it's not the fact of scheme. It's the fact they're missing tackles. Guys are trying to do too much instead of just do their job. Do your job, hit your gaps, make the tackles, and you don't have those big plays. And I would expect them to clean that stuff up, especially with the way they play at home. There's no way this team comes out flat. I'm expecting a blowout over the Carolina Panthers. I don't know about you. I'm surprised the spread's only eight points. I, I figured I'm, I figured it'd be a 10 or 12-point spread. And a couple other things. Pinion and Aaron Stinney are coming off the COVID list. Again, that will be a major factor throughout these playoffs. Who can stay healthy from a COVID perspective? We've not seen a huge quarterback go on that list, especially mm -hmm. a Brady or Rodgers, a Dak Prescott kind of guy. I mean, will one of these teams succumb to that? Who, what team is disciplined enough to not go out at night during the week, to go home, to do what you got to do to stay healthy, to not be COVID positive, all those kind of things. It's, it's more of a war of attrition than it's necessarily going to be skill on the field. And, and the Bucks have shown the propensity to stay healthy on the COVID front for the most part, especially at the key positions. Absolutely. And B.A. talked about it last year. He said, we got to beat this virus. You got to do it this year even more because it is uh, widespread. Even though the, the conditions are a little bit mild, you'll still – it's NFL protocols. If you're not vaccinated, it's longer than what, 10 days. If you are, it's what, five days, something along those lines. Right. So, you know, guys got to figure out and maybe it's a, maybe it's a godsend that Brown isn't on this team because he's not very disciplined. And I'm surprised he didn't get COVID last year, although right. he was living in, I guess, Tom Brady's house at the time. So um, again, these guys, what's the priority? Do you want to win a Super Bowl? Do you want to have a chance to win a second Super Bowl in a row? Or do right. you want to go out? What's more important? You know, get all that out of the way. Hopefully they're vaccinated. Um, but it's all about beating uh, the virus. And, and there's even talk of them changing the Super Bowl location from L.A. to Dallas. Something along those lines. Just have yeah. it here again. <laughs> all right. So we both think the Bucks are going to win comfortably Sunday. Again, yeah. Buck fans, we will have a podcast next week for the playoff matchup as long as the Buccaneers are in the playoffs. We will have a, another podcast previewing that matchup. Buccaneers are 18 and 24 all time against Carolina. We got to make it 19, Peter. Make yeah. it a third, a third, a, a Baker, a 13, a Baker's dozen 13th win of yeah. the year, 13 and four potentially. And again, we could be anywhere from the two seed to the four seed, but we know we'll be hosting a playoff game wild card weekend in Tampa. Are we potentially a Sunday nighter? Maybe even a Monday night. Remember, folks, there's a Monday night wild card game on Monday night football on wild card weekend. I'll make a prediction. I feel like we're going to be in prime time on Monday night for some reason. It's Tom Brady, man. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's either Sunday night or Monday night. So we're going to be right here for you for the no quarter given podcast, of course, on the Buck Power dot com podcast network and remember we got martin grammatica coming right up after we're gonna have a quick commercial here when we're done talking we'll do a quick quick commercial and then you'll hear martin grammatica buccaneer legend kicker 
talk about his career, how he got to the United States from Argentina, how he got to Kansas State, the stress of being a third-round draft pick as a kicker, playing with Brooks, Sapp, and all those guys, the Super Bowl team. You're going to enjoy the interview. Remember, video interview, you can go to YouTube, my YouTube channel, Powers on Sports Podcast. Obviously, you can, you'll be able to listen to the audio here. And again, Martin Gramatica, we're going to talk about a Carolina game, a famous Carolina game that he was electric in. It was the difference in a Carolina game back in 2002 as well. So for Peter Blake, I'm Jason Powers. Regular season getting ready to be in the books. 13 and 4, Peter, on the horizon. Let's go, Bucks. Remember, buckpower.com. Paul Stewart, thank you. TJ Reeves, thank you. Martin Gramatica, thank you. And we'll see you for our playoff edition of the No Quarter Given podcast. See you next week, folks. Go, Bucks. We'll be right back to the podcast in just a minute. Now, a word from our sponsor, BetUS. Hey, guys and girls, with the college bowl games in full swing and the NFL playoffs fast approaching, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. As you may or may not know, BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving, and most importantly, paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses available to you. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is 1-800-MY-BET-US. You will receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using the bonus code, promo code 125. Not 50, not 75, not 100, but 125%. They have re-up and referral bonuses as well. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a ton of reasons. BetUS has all of your NBA, NHL games with team and player props and loads of NFL odds and plays. You can bet UFC matches, UFC props, PGA Tour golf, PGA Tour golf round matchups, and live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games, and the race book has all of your favorite horse tracks from around the country. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet, you win, and more importantly, you get paid. BetUS, and remember our promo code, XXXX. Bet US where the game begins. All right. Welcome to this special simulcast edition of the No Quarter Given podcast and the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Peter Blake's going to be joining us in just one second. And we have a great guest for you a Buccaneer legend, Super Bowl champion. A guy that I have some I have some familiarity with. I was a former kicker back in my day. One Martin Gramatica, the legendary Buccaneer kicker, third round draft choice out of Kansas State, Super Bowl champion on the 03 Buccaneer Super Bowl team. Still in the Tampa Bay community doing all kinds of great things. We're going to get into Martin about his career, about his broadcasting, about his soccer coaching, all kinds of stuff. So, Martin, welcome to the podcast, sir. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, it's always fun uh, talking Buccaneers football. I enjoy that. Yep. That, that's, uh, we're going to talk again. We're going to talk about Martin's career and we're going to work in the uh, no quarter given podcast theme this week of the second matchup with the Carolina Panthers. Martin had an unbelievable game with the Panthers back in the day, the 2002 season we're going to highlight as well. First of all, Martin, 
third round draft pick 1999. Did you have any idea you were going to be that kind of that high of a pick going into that draft? Well, uh, you know, they have the mock drafts, you know, uh, right be before. And, and I had my range was between second and fourth. So I kind of had an idea, but until you see your name flashing on the screen, uh, you don't believe it, you know, so I just kind of waited. But it's funny because uh, I talked to Joe Marciano, the special teams coach, and he kind of told me that what what the Bucks wanted to do. So they gave me the whole scenario if they drafted, if they wanted Sean King in the second round. If they got King, I would go in the third. If not, they may even consider taking me in the second. So I was hoping Sean would go somewhere else. That way I could go to second. But uh, it worked out pretty good. So I, I kind of I had an idea, but, you know, until the phone rang, I wasn't sure. So, I, But it was uh, definitely a, a phone call I'll never forget. And obviously the Buccaneers with their history of draft. I mean, again, drafting a kicker that high in the draft. You know, Janikowski, was he, he was a couple years before you, correct? Oh, he was after me, and uh, Gruden told me he drafted him that high because he wanted me, but he didn't get a chance to get me to, to Oakland. So, right. Uh, so, so yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, but but just in all in general, in all seriousness, the pressure of having to come to a franchise as a kicker is that high of a draft pick, and especially a team like the Bucks that were ready to win. You know, what what did that pressure feel like to you going into your first mini camp, training camp, that kind of pressure, knowing they were going to rely on you big time to be a part, a big contributor early. No, absolutely. I think uh, it, it goes both ways. It's two different kinds of pressure. You have, if you're a free agent, you know, you have the pressure that if you make a mistake, you're out of there and they'll bring somebody else in. But then when you do get drafted high, you have the pressure of having to live up to the expectations and make sure you deliver. So I put a lot of pressure on myself and, and I didn't want my teammates to say, well, we got this kicker in the third round. We should have got a receiver. We should have got a linebacker, you know, sure. somebody that could make more of an impact so I, I didn't want I didn't want my teammates to, to, to have that second guess and not, not only teammates you know the, the organization as well so uh so yeah, I did put a lot of pressure on myself to de to, to, to do good and deliver and, and luckily uh, I was fortunate to be in a great locker room you know a locker room with a bunch of leaders that you know took me under their wing and helped me out a ton so that was that was nice to, to have that guidance from from the veterans I didn't realize that just doing research on you, and I knew you were an All-American. First of all, you were a two-time All-American, Kansas State. I didn't realize you blew, you, you, you tore your ACL in one of your first couple of years at Kansas State. You know, having to come back from that and then becoming the player that you became, how did going through that experience of missing a whole year impact the way you trained, the way you focused, that kind of stuff in your college career? Well, that's a great question because I, I always uh, look, uh, look at the at the time that it happened. I thought, you know, my career is over. This is it. You know, back then you tore your ACL, and it wasn't a guarantee that you'd come back because it, it was, a lot of times it was a career-ending injury. This is in '96 when it happened, uh, but it, for me it was a blessing because I learned how to train. I learned how to get stronger. Before that, I was just a soccer player that be, became a kicker, so I didn't really work out in the weight room as much. I because in soccer we didn't back then. It was just you run around and you stay in shape. That's it. So that injury forced me to get in the gym and strengthen everything, not just my leg, but especially my leg, you know, because you, you strengthen it before the surgery to, to go into the surgery with, with strength. And right. then obviously the therapy afterwards. So my two years after the injury were a hundred times better than my first two before the injury. So, uh, so yeah, it was, it was a blessing. Uh, even though at the time it, it was hard and, and a long road, to, you know, to recovery, but at, but after it happened, and when I came back, I came back so much stronger and better. So you grew up in Buenos Aires, Argentina. You moved to the United States when you were, what, eight, nine, ten years old, something in that range. 
first of all, how did your parents and all that, how did you guys decide to move to LaBelle, Florida, of all places, kind of in the Fort Myers area? How did, how did LaBelle, Florida, from Buenos Aires happen? Well, that, we're, we're, we landed in Miami, which I think 99% of the South Americans, you know, you land in Miami, and then from there you decide where you go. And we were just coming to the, to the West Coast to try to find work. And we stopped at a gas station in LaBelle, and the <laughs> The lady working at the gas station, she's like, I, I recognize your accent. It's like, are you guys from Argentina? And yes, we are. And she's like, so am I. Wow. So, so she, she, she was married to the sheriff, the town sheriff, and immediately said, well, come to my house. You guys can stay at my house, find a job here. It's a, a great town for kids and family. So, I mean, that would never happen in this day and age, I don't think, for somebody to, just because you're from the same country, they're like, stay at my house, you know? <laughs> so, wow. uh, so we stayed, you know, I think it was like a week until we found, my parents found jobs and uh, we opened up a restaurant there. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's crazy how it happened, but, uh, but it were great. I, I mean, LaBelle was great to us. I mean, it's a little town that, you know, hard to get in trouble in a small town like that. <laughs> so you, you, you get, you go through high school, have a, have a good high school career. Obviously you never played football until you went to high school, I don't think. Um, well, I only played one year. Yes. My senior year was the only uh, year that I kicked. So Bill, so Kansas state finds you Bill Snyder, the legendary coach at Kansas state building that program in the mid to late nineties. How was it you going from small town, LaBelle, Florida to Manhattan, Kansas, another small town, you know, playing for a coach that, you know, they'd had struggles at Kansas state, but you knew you were going to probably be an impact player and get to play. How did all that come about going to Kansas state and Bill Snyder? Well, yeah, because I because I only played one year, I didn't really have that many offers, and a lot of the schools were afraid to, to give me a scholarship because they were, hey, you're too green and you you know you're you're too raw. Which I mean, at the time I was getting upset that they were saying that, but when I look back, and they were right. You know, I never really had a kicking coach in high school because they never my high school never had a kicker. They had an old lineman kicking with their toe before <laughs> I kicked and Bill and Sandel. So, yeah. so we didn't have any really no any any coaching. Uh, once I got to Kansas State. Uh, Bill Snyder was like a father figure. He was amazing, you know, kept, you know, definitely uh, holds you accountable, taught you, the, taught me a, a ton. You know, I left there uh, with so many life lessons from Coach Snyder. But a, a guy that really helped me was his son, Sean Snyder. At the time, he was trying to get in the league. So he was punting, but he was always working out at Kansas State, trying to stay in shape and stay fit for that phone call. And so I'd work out with him. I trained with him. And he was uh, definitely the, the, the one coach that really impacted me a ton in college as far as my technique and how to kick because I went from you know being a soccer player that just kicked the football to actually becoming a kicker thanks to Sean uh so so yeah it's it's um another another blessing that I ended up at Kansas State I loved it there the 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 community the fans you know the the organization I mean the whole you know from the from from top to bottom you know Bill Snyder's a class act and all the coaches uh Jim Levitt who recruited me uh from yeah because at the time, uh, Jim Levin and Bob Stoops were co-defensive coordinators my freshman year. Right. And then they ended up having their phenomenal careers themselves as head coaches. But, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a great coaching staff and, and a lot of uh, lessons, you know, from, 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 from all those coaches. Very cool. I want to bring in Peter Blake. Peter Blake's the host of the Sports Web. You've seen Peter and I do the No Quarter Given podcast. We're doing the Simulcast podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Let's get to the 2002 season, Peter. I want you to take the lead. 2002 yeah. Carolina. 
What's going on, Martine? Welcome to the uh, No Quarter Given podcast. And I got to ask you, take me back to 2002, especially the Carolina Panther game. But the season overall, first and foremost, is it like yesterday for you? Oh, uh, yes, yes. I mean, it's uh, and, 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 you know, everybody talks about the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. And that's obviously what, what we, you know, we, we remember. But the whole journey was just an awesome year. With it. And the locker room, you know, uh, Coach Dungey built a locker room with great character. And then we had Coach Gruden come in and fiery energy. And I think the combination of that locker room that Coach Dungey built with great character and then having Gruden motivate us and push us, uh, it was just an awesome year from start to finish. We just, it was just, it was as far, as far as like practice, hanging out with the guys, it was the most fun I've ever had. You know, we, we just had a, such a good, good chemistry with the teammates. Everybody got along. So uh, I, I, I enjoyed that whole season. It, just, it was a lot of fun. Talk about the Carolina game because uh, that was nip and tuck at the time. Of course, Carolina was giving the Bucs everything they could handle. Of course, they had some injuries that day. I believe Brad Johnson was out. Rob Johnson was starting. They were starting to develop their defense, and they really depended on you that day. Go back to that moment when uh, you faced the Carolina Panthers later on in that year. Yeah, that was a that was a, uh, a, a one of those games that you know Brad was out, so Rob stepped in. Um, Sean King had to come in and, and throw a pass to get us in field goal range in the last drive. So it's one of those where you could say everybody had a part in it. Our defense obviously played phenomenal, not not allowing a touchdown and getting the turnovers back. Special teams got a turnover with with a with a, a fumble that they fumbled upon, and we got the ball right back to get us in in the, in the field goal range. Um, I remember Warren Sapp was on the field goal team. We had so many injuries that, you know, Rich Visaccia had to be creative. And, you know, uh, Warren was, uh, you know, always had my back. So he'd raise his head. If you need, a, if you need somebody to block, I'll go in there and block. So, um, so that's, for me, it's, uh, individually, it's one of the, those memorable games that I'll never forget. For me, my, my, per, my personal one is my favorite one because of, you know, the impact, the, uh, the long field goals. Three of the four field goals were in the yes. fourth quarter with, with like, I don't remember exact times, but I think like four or five minutes left. Yes. Um, and, and it's one of those that, that I'll never forget. And uh, I mean, I just, yeah, I, I, I see it, you know, I, in my head and I still feel like I'm there today. You know, it's, it's one of those games that I'll never forget. And, Go and back to your, real quick, Peter, yeah. and it's a bitter division rival in their stadium. Yeah, an important kind of game. I mean, you, we were the, you know, the Buccaneers were the team that everybody thought was going to, was on the rise and, and you were the guy that in that arena in Carolina on the road, you, you, you kick some dagger field goals in that game. And that just has to make you feel great. Yeah. But it was a whole team win. Like I said, you know, we, we had uh, our, our, our leader, Brad out with an injury. Rob had to step in. Rob goes down. Sean, Sean comes in, throws a right. pass. Um, our defense, you know, they, we've had some injuries on defense too. Guys stepped up. Uh, we had the turnovers when we needed them. So it's one of those, um, and that's ultimate that's a, that's win. that was the ultimate team win. Yeah, absolutely. But that's that that was our style, though. You know, hard nose defense, and we fought till the end. And it was one of those that nobody gave up and nobody quit. And it was one of those he, he, that I think that game motivated us to realize: look, it doesn't matter if we're not firing all all cylinders. We'll figure out a way to win as a team, and we did. So that, that to me, that was one of those games that helped us believe that we could win any game. You, you're all about emotion because I remember your celebrations after uh, kicks. Who was the guy that motivated you, the teammate on the team itself that motivated you when you made a big kick? Who was the first guy to pat you on the helmet or 
or come up to you on the bench and say, good kick, great kick. We need you. Who was that guy that motivated you the most on that Super Bowl team? Yeah, there's not just one guy. There's so many. We had so many leaders. I like, like I said, you know, we had Brooks, um, Allstar, you know, Lynch, Sap, all those guys. For me, I, I was I looked up to them when I was in college, and then now I'm a, all of a sudden I'm in, in the same locker room being teammates with them. So uh, for them to say good job, Rondé, I remember right, Rondé would come up to me all the time too, and he was at the time not a leader yet. You know, he was a leader, but not like what he ended up being, you know, a, a Hall of Famer. But he was still pretty young himself. Uh, Brad, Brad, as a, as a quarterback, he was awesome. Always, always motivated, always, you know, um, you know, Hey, we want to need you or, or, or we'll get you in range, you know, where, where do we need to get to? Like, he'd ask me how, what he, so, so he was very, um, he communicated a lot for a lot of guys, you know, sometimes I leave the kicker aside. Uh, but with Brad, we great relationship, great guy. So I, I can't just say one because we had such a great locker room. I mean, that was one of those where I believe like everybody got along. But for you, Martin, real quick, for you, Peter, Martin, the battery of you, the snapper, the holder, and the kicker, that's your own little team. You know, talk oh. to I mean, talk about that relationship with those guys because no matter what the other guys are blocking, if the snap's not good and the guy can't hold the ball very well, makes your job a lot harder. Oh, 100%. You, you have to have that trust and that friendship with your holder just to know, like, look, he's going to get it down, and, and Tom was the best. I mean, Tom and we, we had an awesome relationship. Um, you know, we hung out, and you, you hang out 24-7. I mean, there's no it's, – it's a kicker, punter, long snapper. And at the time, uh, Mike Soul started the season. He hurt his foot, and then we brought in Ryan Benjamin, who snapped for uh, Bill and Santiago – just Bill at USF. So yeah. I knew Ryan, and – and it's funny because they didn't want to sign him because if you look at Ryan, he doesn't look like an NFL player. You know, he, yeah. he, his body does not warrant him being in the NFL. So I said, look, take a look at him. He's a great snapper. The first tryout, they didn't sign him. They signed somebody else. Uh, and, and we had a couple, we had issues with a couple snaps. So then they brought him back and then he finished out the year and then uh, won the Super Bowl, obviously. So it, it was, it was one of those where, you know, Whoever stepped in did the job, and, and Ryan did a great job coming in, snapping and not, but but uh, Tupa. I mean, I I did I just I could close my eyes and know the ball was there every time. I, I trusted him uh, with everything, so it was it was great to have that relationship with him. Martine, when uh, the Philadelphia win happened in two thousand two in the <laughs> NFC Championship game, was your mindset basically we got over the hump? The team's mindset we got over the hump at that point you guys were going to win the Super Bowl. Was that your mindset? Do you feel like that was your teammates' mindset once you got over that big hump of the Philadelphia Eagles? Oh, 100%. I, I feel like that was our Super Bowl. You know, that was what, who, who we had struggled with in the past and who knocked us out of the playoffs in the in the years prior prior to that year. So 100%, once we won that game, I don't think it mattered who on the AFC made it to the Super Bowl. We were going to roll through them just because of the motivation and the uh, – the chemistry and, and we we're just firing on all cylinders by the time the, the season ended our offense was playing well and our defense obviously was the number one in, in in the league so uh so yeah it didn't matter who we played in after that philadelphia game we were winning and a little tidbit martin is, is another record holder in buccaneer history he scored the first ever point in the super bowl with a field goal so he'll always be in the record books for the first ever buccaneer to score a point in the super bowl and one other quote before peter goes Remember that 2002 season as well, late in the year, the Bucs clinched the bye when Martin kicks five field goals when the Bucs win 15-0 in Chicago, not at Soldier Field, but the no. University of Illinois because Soldier Field was getting renovated. Again, talk about that atmosphere. Of, you're probably used to kicking in Soldier Field, and now you're having to kick it in a new venue at the University of Illinois. 
Yeah, no, it was tough because, you know, it's an open-ended uh, stadium, so it was really windy. Uh, fortunately, all five field goals were with the wind at my back. So, ah. uh, <laughs> you know, so if, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna have wind, uh, let's take it in, on our, in our back. And uh, I was lucky that all five went that way. So, uh, it, yeah, it was a tough environment. Their their fans, obviously, Chicago has a great fan base, um, but the stadium uh, was really tricky for me. The the only positive was that it was a field turf, so I knew the footing was gonna be nice. Yep. Because anytime I ever played at Soldier Field, by the time we played them, the, the, it was late in the year and there was really no grass left. So it was all like mud and sand. So the footing was always an issue there. And uh, in Champaign, we didn't have that because it was field turf. So that, I guess that was the, the, the positive we can take about that one. Peter, I know you got to go in a, I know you got to go in a second. So go ahead. Yeah, I got one final question. I've interviewed uh, the great man, Tony Dungy. Uh, as a coach and as a man, what was your biggest lesson you learned from him? Well, I, I mean, there are so many. I, there's, if I just give you one, it's, it, would, it wouldn't give it any justice. I just, uh, what I tell people is what you see and what you hear about Tony Dungy, he's 10 times better. You know, it's like, uh, he's, he's a real deal. And then a, lot, a lot of times you see people that talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Uh, with Coach Dungy, he talks the talk and walks the walk. Uh, yeah, he definitely uh, impacted all of us. And I feel like um, on the on the uh, charity side, on the giving back to the community side, I think that was the first time I ever I ever did any charity work because in college you really don't have any time. You know, you, you're, when you're a college athlete, so you're going 20, 100 miles an hour from class to school to practice. Um, so when I got to the Bucks, I I couldn't understand. You know, uh, at the time uh, Derek had the the Brooks bunch. He was taking kids to Africa to show them the history, and then you know Sap had his and all these guys. And I'm thinking, what is this? I never even heard of this. So thanks to coach Dungy, we all uh, learn how to give back or, or how important it is to give back. So I, I always thank him for that. Thanks a lot, Martin. Appreciate it as, as always. And thanks a lot for coming on the no quarter given podcast here on the buck power podcast network. Pete, no problem. Peter. Nice talking to you and enjoy your Rolex. Yeah. Peter, Peter's got to go do his own show. Now I'm me and you are going to keep talking for a minute, but uh, but Peter's got to go do his own show. And there's the Rolex for you if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, on the Powers nice. on Sports YouTube channel. So, Peter, have a good show, man. All right, Martin. So you're listening to the Powers on Sports podcast, No Quarter Given podcast simulcast. We're with Martin Gramatica, Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneer legend. I didn't realize this. Look at your stats. You only played for the Buccaneers for five years, correct? Yes, yes. I didn't re- – I mean, I've, for some reason, I thought you played for the Buccaneers a lot longer. You made 155 career field goals. You were 76% in your career. You were a 2000 all pro selection, second team, all pro 2000 pro bowler. Talk about just your time in Tampa. How did you, I mean, obviously you were familiar with the state of Florida. How much more comfortable did that make you knowing you were close to your family, you're back in the area, warm weather, something I'm sure you really enjoyed year round. Talk about that transition back to Tampa. Yeah, no, if, you know, uh, coming out of college, you, you, if you get drafted, you go wherever. I mean, you're not going to complain. You're going to go and, and, and make the best of it. But for me to be selected to come to Tampa was ba- basically the team that I wanted to play for because it was close to home. Uh, Bill was going to USF. Santiago ended up playing the USF, you know, later. Um, Jim Levitt was at USF who recruited me to Kansas State. So I had a lot of ties to the area. Yep. I just never really hung out in Tampa before I was, you know, I grew up in the Fort Myers area, LaBelle. So, um, so yeah, it was, for me, it was like coming home. If I had to pick a team, uh, the Bucks were the one just because they that's the one where, you know, you know, my family, my brothers were around. So um, I, I couldn't believe it when I, when I got the phone call 
and I, and I always wanted to play in the state of Florida in college. And I never got a chance to play a bowl game because, you know, uh, there was a chance we almost played the orange bowl. There was a couple of times and, and we never ended up playing that. So I was always disappointed that I didn't get the chance to play uh, in Florida. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm with the Bucks and playing uh, pretty much a bunch of games in Florida. So it was, uh, yeah, it was great. It was like coming home. That's awesome. That's all. Are you the only guy still from the, from Argentina and ever playing the NFL? Well, Bill played too. That's so right. My, but your so, family, yeah. there's been nobody outside of your family from Argentina that's ever played in the NFL, correct? Not that I know. Not that I know. That's right. That's uh, that's even. It's um. You're a rock star in Buenos Aires, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> <Talk to me. laughs> so let's. All right. So let's talk about your. You know your NFL career. So. Joining the Buccaneers on the rise in 99, the Bucs had made some headway with Coach Dungy. You knew you were coming to a team that was defensive-oriented. You were going to be a critical element. The Bucs weren't scoring 35 points a game like today's NFL where the passing game was so pass-happy. Again, was that a mindset that you had to get used to to know every week they're going to need me? We're not going to blow teams out 38-7. to We're going to be in a lot of close games with the defense. The offense was a little more conservative at the time with Coach Dungy. Talk about your – you know, just you maturing into that as a young player. Well, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was coming into. I, I never really followed the NFL much because when you're, when you're playing college football, you don't have really time. And I knew, I knew I wanted to come to Tampa because my brother was at USF and, and, right. and it's close to home, but I didn't really follow the team close enough to know that, Oh, this is a defensive team. They're really going to need a kicker. Um, so I kind of, you, you know, I probably, probably was a good thing, you know, to not know how important it is to make every kick. And, and, and I really realized early on and pretty quick and uh, as a kicker that every game in the NFL, doesn't matter if you have a good offense or a bad offense or a good defense, they're always close games. You know, it's not like college where you have two or three close games and then a bunch of blowouts at times. Um, there's every kick is important. And that's where the, the, the focus and the, um, yeah, it's so much different than college, you know, where you have to focus on every kick in college. If you miss a kick, at times it doesn't matter because you're winning by 28 points where in the pros it's rare that you kick a field goal when you're up by 28. So every kick matters. So growing up in Buenos Aires with Maradona, your guy. Oh, hundred percent. I, uh, <laughs> I always, that's why I always wanted to be 10. Unfortunately, Sean, Sean took 10. So I had to, I had to set up for seven, which I'm very happy. It worked out pretty good, but, uh, but yeah, I always wore a t-shirt with uh, the number 10 and his name in the back. That was my guy. That was your Maradona. Yeah, absolutely. Those of you that don't, that don't know Maradona back in the day in mid eighties, early nineties, he was the king of, of world football, man. He was the, you know, the legend he was, and he just passed away here in the last couple of years. So uh, great, great uh, inspiration for you. All right. So let's get to, you, you leave the Buccaneers in 03. You, you bounce around the league a little bit. You got injured. Talk about how the injuries really affected your next phase of your career with some, with the abdominal injuries that you suffered from. Yeah, no, unfortunately, I, I think that's what really messed, messed my career up. I, 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 the injury started the, the year, uh, the Super Bowl year. I started to feel a little pain in my adductor, and, and they just couldn't diagnose it. At first, it was, a, uh, you know, maybe a lower ab strain, then it was a groin strain. It could be a hernia. So I just dealt with it that year, and I felt so physically strong that it didn't really affect me. Um, the day after the Super Bowl, you do your exit physicals. They check me out, and, oh, you have a hernia. So they're perfect. I'm glad you found it. Let's fix it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for the, I was misdiagnosed and it was a, uh, it was a sports hernia, not a, not a regular hernia. So the mesh and all the staples they put in there really didn't do much. So three, 
two, three months after that, the pain was even worse. So I played the last two years here in Tampa with a ton of pain. There's days, there's weeks that I didn't even get a chance to practice. I couldn't. So I physically couldn't get my body strong. So then I had the right surgery uh, with a doctor in Philadelphia, felt better, but he's like, look, the mess you have in there with the mesh and all that, I'll fix it, but I don't know how long it'll last. So it was one of those where I ended up spending more time in the training room and doctor's offices and cortisone shots than, than enjoying it. So it was, uh, the, the last half of my career was not as enjoyable as the first half, let's put it that way. Sure, sure. So you finished up in 2008 in New Orleans, kind of was your last hurrah there. With, the, with how, how tough was it to realize that you reached the end of the road, that you couldn't either physically do it, didn't want to do it, and the interest in you wasn't as it was, it was a few years back. How hard is that to you as an athlete at a championship level? Oh, no, that's, that's the worst feeling. You know, I, um, it, it, I couldn't watch football for like two years. I, I just didn't because I feel like I, I felt like I still had more to give and more to play. Right. But physically, my body couldn't do it. My, my, my basically my leg, you know, everything felt great except my adductor, my leg. So, um, so yeah, it was really tough because no, you never want to retire because of an injury. You know, you want to go out and either, you know, go out on top or just say, look, I'm too old. I can't play anymore. But to go out, you know, six weeks at, in, in the season with a, with a, you know, basically I pulled five muscles in one kick. It was just to the point where my body was just basically shutting down all the uh, cortisones and, and medicine that I was having to take to, to try to get through games. Um, so, you know, your body at times is enough is enough. And I, and I, I knew it then, you know, once, once that kick, that last kick, I knew I, there's no way I could do it again. And a guy, and a guy you know very well that played in his mid-40s, Adam Benateri. What a job by a guy like him, just whether it's luck of the, of the draw as far as your body goes. But what I mean, a guy, you know, Tom Brady's our version of that now. But Adam Benateri played to his mid-40s as a kicker in the league. And just how admirable is for a guy like that to be able to last that long? Oh, yeah. And the, the great thing about that is I got to, I got to uh, be on the team with him for six weeks because yeah. he was injured. Uh, he had a, a, a groin uh, strain and Coach Dungey would bring me in and fill in for him. So I got to pick his brain and learn, but by then my body was already, uh, you know, already had sure. suffered enough damage that I couldn't really recover from it. But, um, sure. but it was really good to see his work ethic, his training. Uh, he had a stretch guy. So a lot of times people think, well, he got lucky and played to his 40s. So like, there's no luck about it. You know, you have to, you have to have the luck to not get injured, but also have to take care of your body to not get injured. And, and, and you know, Tom Brady does that. Adam Benateri did it. Uh, unfortunately for me, it was something that, you know, it was a minor thing that became larger, I feel, because of the misdiagnosed by a doctor. Because if, yeah. I, if they would have fixed that right the first time, who knows how long I could have played. So that's the only, the only regret I have, if you look back, is not getting a second opinion. Because when you're young, you assume that, you know, the NFL doctors are the best. And you don't know that sometimes, you know, uh, they, 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 could make, they could make mistakes. So I, at the time... Uh, looking back, I wish I would have uh, seen the real, the real uh, adductor doctor, you know, just to get it fixed right. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, but you have to give credit to Adam and 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 Tom, you know, for playing that long because it's not easy. No, you're right. I mean, like, hell, just to make it in the NFL one year, forget eight or nine years like you got <laughs> in, and I mean, it's 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 the toughest league in the world to make and stay in the league, especially at your position where it's a it can be a whirlwind of of a roller coaster of. You're great one week and three weeks later, you're out of a job. So, I mean, full credit to you for the ability to do what you did. And, and uh, all right, let's talk to you. Let's talk to Martine about after football. You've got, you've had some business interests. You've stayed in the Tampa Bay area. 
talk about your foundation, the Grammatica Foundation, what you're trying to do in the Tampa Bay area with the, with the Grammatica Foundation. Yeah, no, thank you for asking. Um, we, uh, we, we, we help uh, combat wounded veterans. We, uh, we built full, a full house for them if they need it. Now, the way the economy is, you know, it's a lot harder to build a full house. Right. Uh, and, and when we started, you know, nine years ago, the banks were given free lots because they had to get rid of them, you know, foreclosed lots. Now, that same lot that we were getting for free is probably 80 to 100 grand. So yeah. it's really hard to build a full house. So we've partnered up with Habitat for Humanity, yep. other nonprofits to do either uh, if we can, a full house, but if not, some remodels, uh, wheelchair accessible ramps, uh, remodel kitchens where everything's, um, you know, handicap accessible for these veterans. So for me, it's, it's very important to, to, to show my kids and, and, have, and also the kids that I coach. I coach soccer now and to show them and thank our veterans for all their sacrifices. Because, you know, we talk about how much we sacrifice as an athlete, but these veterans, these, the, 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 our military gives, they give the ultimate sacrifice, you know, and, and a, lot, a lot of times their best friends die, their family members die. Um, the first uh, recipient of Charlie Lemon, he's an amazing guy, you know, he's, and he lost both legs in Afghanistan and he's the most positive, nicest guy you'll ever meet. And I'm thinking if I was in his shoes, I'd be so bitter and angry. And that's, that's what I'm thinking, but he, he's just a happy guy. So I look, my best friend died in the, uh, in the explosion. So I have to live, a full life for both of us. So, um, so yeah, so it's really rewarding. We, we get, we get so much more out of just seeing their, you know, their gratitude, their smile, then, you know, and they thank us. And I'm like, you don't need to thank us. We're thanking you for you, right. for what you did. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, that we were able to do it. And, and it, yeah, it is the Grammatica Family Foundation, but it's really not. It's the whole community. We've had so many people help out and so many people come to our events and uh, just uh, the community has been amazing. Well, tell everybody, where, tell everybody where they can find you online as far as the foundation website and all that good stuff. Yeah, the, the foundation website is uh, grammaticafamilyfoundation.org. Um, and I post a lot of stuff on Instagram. It's Martin Grammatica 7. That's basically where they can get the most information. I always share uh, either dates for volunteer dates or build dates or, or a kickball. We do a kickball tournament. That's our biggest fundraiser. Um, but, but yeah, so grammaticafamilyfoundation.org is where they can find all the information. And another interesting thing, you were playing in the league during 9-11, that week back from 9-11. Talk about that experience around the league. I don't know where you guys played, where the Bucks were at that week, but talk about that week of 9-11 and, and it works into the, the veterans you deal with and all the first responders that we, that we uh, are so proud of and so thankful for. Yeah, no, it, you know, everybody... I think everybody knows and remembers what they were doing the day or when it happened or where the phone call. Um, I, I, I get rolfing, which is like a specialty massage right. and I'm coming out of that. And my, and my wife calls me on the phone and said, Hey, uh, somebody, they crashed a plane in the twin, uh, twin towers. And, and I'm like, no, no way. It can't be right. And then you turn on, I turn on, obviously I'm in the car. So I turn on the radio and then you, you go home and you watch the, the footage and, and you're just in disbelief. I mean, this, you think it's a movie, you know, it's like, there's no way this could be happening in real life. So, um, so yeah, we, and that, those, the games got postponed that week. We were supposed to play Philly. Uh, so they postponed it. And then we played them, I think the week the, during our bye week, I don't remember the exact, but I remember the games getting postponed, but um, yeah, just, just one of those things that, you know, you know exactly where you were when you heard about it, but you didn't think it was real at the time. I, I didn't think it was real until I really saw the footage on TV. Let's get to your budding broadcasting career. For the, it's the fourth year you've been working with. The, you've been calling Buccaneer games on the NI Spanish Broadcasting Network. You do the games in Spanish. Talk about how fun it is for you to do Buccaneer games 
And again, in your native language, your Spanish language, how fun is it for you to, 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 to do that? Oh, I love it. I love it. That, that, so, that, so the first year when, when we sat down, because I got, I, got, I got a call from the Bucks and TJ Reeves uh, a bunch of times. Hey, they're thinking about doing uh, Spanish radio. And, I, and, and, and never happened. It, they'd call and maybe it would. And then this time, they, it, it, TJ and then Jeff Ryan called me and they're like, look, I, I think we got a guy that wants to do it. I'm like, sure, okay, no problem. And I'm thinking, like, I'll never hear from these guys. Yeah. And then sure enough, uh, I hear from, from, uh, from Neil, the owner, and then he calls me up. We meet. Uh, five minutes later, we got an agreement, like, oh, let's do it. And I told him, I said, look, I coach soccer. My priority is my kids' soccer, so there may be some games that I can't do. Right. And we had three guys at the time. And then after after the first year, I loved it so much. I said, and I, I didn't want to say no and then regret it. So I said, let me try it for one year. If I like it, we'll do it again. If not, find somebody else, not a problem. And, man, I loved it. So now I now I rearranged my soccer schedule over right. the, the NFL schedule, which the, the, that should be the priority, obviously. So. Uh, I love doing it. Uh, the feedback from fans is amazing. We have an app. So uh, on Caliente 96.1 is the app. So we have fans that listen to us worldwide. We have a yeah. huge following in Europe, uh, Mexico. I'm, or Obviously, I'm from Argentina. Carlos Borges, our, our play-by-play, he's from Venezuela. So there's a huge following in Venezuela. I mean, it's, it's crazy the amount of messages that we get every week from people all over the world uh, listening to our broadcast. It's, it's really cool. All right, last thing I'll get you out of here. You, you mentioned coaching soccer. You're wearing you're wearing your soccer hoodie right now. How, how much joy is it that you're coaching your son and so involved on the uh, with your son on the soccer soccer front? Yeah, it, it almost uh, was the same story as the uh, broadcast. They asked me to help out my kids' team about 12 years ago now, and I said, "Well, I'll help out. I don't have a lot of time, but I'll try." And man, I was hooked. Uh, and then from there, just it, it was it's like an addiction. I just love doing it. I love watching my, in it. And for me, it's, it's, it's even better because I'm coaching my kids too. So I'm spending time with my kids. I'm able to help and influence other kids. Uh, it's, uh, you know, besides playing, getting involved in either coaching or broadcasting the game, it's uh, the second best thing. I, I, you know, obviously playing gives you that adrenaline that nothing, nothing can duplicate that, I don't think. But this is pretty close. When I watch my kids play, when, I, when I'm, you know, coaching them on the weekends and training, we practice four days a week and then we play on the weekend. So I get to spend so much time with them. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Well, fans, you can't see this unless you go to the powers on sports, YouTube channel. Martin's got about 20 game balls behind him at his house. It's all kind of different game balls. What was the toughest stadium to kick in outside of Tampa? What was the hardest place to kick? Well, I didn't really enjoy kicking in soldier field or Lambeau field because you know, those, uh, by the time, I think they paid us back. They usually, they would come play us in the summer where it's really hot. Yeah. And then we'd play them the last game of the year. So, <laughs> so it was, um, by the time we got there, there was no grass left. There was cold, you know, muddy. Um, but I, I do remember my, my rookie year playing in Lambeau field. It was a Sunday night game. I believe it was either Sunday night or Monday night. I just couldn't believe that I was at Lambeau field with all the history and all the, uh, right. you know, the history of that stadium. So it was, it was pretty cool, but they were, they were not easy to kick in though. Well, Martin, it's been a real pleasure, man. I appreciate the time, man. Keep up the great work. We're, uh, you know, obviously coming up week 18 here, you'll be calling Carolina and the Bucks on Sunday. Tell everybody where they can find them locally as far as the broadcast. Yeah, it's uh, Caliente 96.1, and, and that's the local station, but it also has the app. Or like I said, you can find me on uh, Martin Grammatica 7. I always put all the uh, – the 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 um, radio stations that are that are broadcasting it plus the app so any any of those areas you can find our broadcast. 
Well, man, it's been a real pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks for the great commentary history and all the great stories. Again, you're listening to the Powers on Sports and no quarter given simulcast Martin Dematica, Super Bowl champion. All the best, Martin, moving forward. And, have, have a, and let's get another Super Bowl. I want to see you in SoFi in about a month. Oh, I can't wait. That would be, uh, be awesome. Yes, sir. I'd love to see that again. So appreciate you having me. I had a lot of fun. Awesome, Martin. Have a great week, sir. And we'll, we'll see you next time on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Let's go, Bucks. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.